Welcome to Happy Times and Places. I'm Toby Haydock and I like Doctor Who. So I've got a friend of mine to watch a Doctor Who story, to choose their favourite things about it, and then I watch it, talk all the way through it, see if I can guess what their favourite things are, and at the end, see if I win. Hi, Toby. It's uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, for the multitudes out there who don't know me, my name's Jeremy Raddick, and I played Gareth in the Doctor Who TV movie. And for the past 25 years, uh, I've been uh, shamelessly exploiting that to get me into exciting predicaments like this. Um, and now it's, you know, it's brought me here uh, to my basement uh, to talk to you about Inferno. Welcome back. It's episode six of Inferno. Let us see what that has in store and then what is happening in the alternative world inhabited by my guest Jeremy Raddick, who is going above and beyond the call of duty, but that's probably because he's living in a state where duty is sort of enforced and do you get shot if you don't do it. So he's only following orders <laughs> from a from a fascist version of myself. Um, let's see what's happening in episode six. So I will hike the volume up just a little bit and we are going to press play in... Uh, oh, I've got to go to episode selection, actually, is what I'm doing. Uh, and I have to go next to episode six. Oh, it's getting very exciting. The epic is reaching its conclusion. And very much so for many in this episode. As we press play or select in three, two, one, go. Uh, so I've had a bit of a break between episodes uh, five. So I've done this one in stages. Uh, I don't know why. Sometimes I do these in one epic go, and sometimes I I leave a bit of a gap. That's okay. Either way is fine. There are no rules. No rules. No rules that there are. I forget. But I I mean I I'm not sure I can remember the things that I've chosen. Uh, so we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, so. Uh, this is where the lava really hits the fan because because this is the sort of the last episode in uh, the alternative earth um and uh i can't choose the i can't choose the cliffhanger to this one can i because i've already chosen one cliffhanger i narrowly chose nearly chose the last cliffhanger and i remember reading the doc 2 magazine because i had the one with the episode guide of this yeah is that wise is 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 the, is that wise when you've got a, a a a monster that looks the way that it does to go? I shall showcase it by having it stare right at us. Not many monsters have stared right at us, uh, but uh, uh, the ZZ Top beasts do. Um, I still don't know. How do we feel? How do we feel? They look. I have to say, they look much much better the primords uh, than they did to my to my young eyes where i was so ashamed of well everything so yeah, i didn't want the thing i loved uh to make me feel shameful um and it's great isn't it because they're so hot uh they can be at least repelled even though they're deadly and clearly fearsome and and uh you know can create mortal peril they can be um uh, discouraged shall we say by a burst of something cheap readily available recognizable but that also makes total sense 
uh, and is easy to achieve uh, and works for you know telly that has to be a, a appropriate for kids. This, uh, the the choice to have this background noise is so effective. Sa sound is uh, sound is one of the uh, I think under undersung aspects of Doctor Who. I'm not I'm not talking about the music here either. Um, if you think about those, that every sort of time they tap, you know, the rickety TARDIS console in the 80s, relatively rickety, do you know what I mean? Um, you know, and you get a boom and a beep and a bonk. They're obviously all special sounds that, that, that really help to sell what, what would otherwise be, you know, make the noise of light switches. Um, and the 60s, when I did Running Through Corridors with Rob Shearman, the, as we did the 60s and some of the stories that only existed by soundtrack alone, but, but actually everything has a weird aural ambience that, that transports you as much as the pictures do. And actually, the, the, what about the screams of the primords here? Um, I mean, we're having to imagine that the sort of... the the uh, the smoke is hitting everybody because obviously some are sort of going that that aren't really being hit, but 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 this is great. This is as grown up as Doctor Who ever ever felt to me, even though it's basically a, a a fascist with a fire extinguisher pointing at a at a at a border collie. Um, but so, and, and so that is that's that's the dignified actor Olaf Pooley. Uh, with with a wig and, and uh, wolf dentures in, um, I, it's, I, I do an excellent mobile Scotty dog. Um, no, no, he, he will definitely come to again. Uh, um, so, um, so yes, I feel. Have I? Ta I've talked about Olaf. I'm sure. I've. I feel uh, a bit sad for him that the 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 one story we knew about him was that he refused to wear the primal makeup. Turns out he's he's pretty much one. One of the actors, though, Walter Henry, gets released from his contract. I wish this smoke uh, uh, was a bit speedy. Actually, no, that's that's okay. It just doesn't look like it's sort of shooting out, which would obviously repel them with the sort of force of that. It's uh, it's a bit wafty. Uh, and the actors are having to sell it, but that's fine. I'm just talking about. It actually, looks pretty good at the at the moment. But I, as I said, it's sort of floating out rather than directional, which I think would just. I don't know. It, as I say, looking at it there, it doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't look as as worrisome as it did to teenage me. Uh, the red filter on all of this external stuff on the. Destro de decaying alternative earth, the decaying, no, the, the, the inflamed alternative earth. See, there's no smoke coming out now. Um, the camera should be a little bit higher. Um, I assume we're, we're, we're supposed to be expecting, thinking that smoke is coming out there, but that was a bit, that, yeah, that wasn't very carefully done. I, I like, um, Derek Newark's sort of quiet heroism. He knows that they're going to die, uh, but he's prepared to put all of his last life energy into saving somebody he barely knows. Um, but so he's he's a brave man. Uh, and uh, I will come back to Walter Henry, the the missing uh, primord. Uh, Was when I first read about this story. Well, when I first read about this story, it was the episode endings. So I didn't know that the brigade leader. 
and the brigadier were the same I d- again i was quite young i hadn't I, i'd only got the episode ending so i hadn't quite picked up the the subtleties of of what the you know what the story was so there was this brigade leader who popped up quite a lot uh, and i knew he got killed because he, he gets killed just before the episode ending so that was in the episode ending because the episode guide in doctor who magazine basically gave you the episode endings of each episode uh, and the cast list but of course the the brigade leader wasn't in the cast list so he was a great mystery to me until i then read about the story a bit later and of course that they're, they're all alternative earth versions of of the uh, of each other uh, the little smile the brigadier gives there is a glorious moment because he yells he bawls out sergeant benton and remember this is very early in the sort of unit family as we call it uh, he bawls out sergeant benton but there's a little smile there going you know i'm not really cross with him and uh now some would say that that leads to unit getting a little bit too cozy uh later on and i think there's a fair argument there but i i rather like it because he needs to ball benton out then but we don't want him you know we we don't want him to seem like a bully as indeed his alternative world version is and he gets his smiles from from sadism um hello <laughs> you're not for all his braveness and the fact that he's obviously you know pretty tough in the oil fields and probably hard drinking at the bar he's uh he's he's <laughs> uh, i i think he could be better with the ladies old craig sutton uh um uh so but and and of course the the brigadier was was uh, and, and, and before we cut back, we talk about Sir Keith Gold being dead. And when I first read about this story, obviously, you know, the first we hear of Sir Keith in the alternative universe is that he's died and he's died in a car accident. And that in Doctor Who always seems to me so much more grown up. Somehow, you know, death by uh, embolism, no, death by immolation, death, death in an explosion, death by murder at night, mysterious death getting dragged under the waves. But death in a car accident suddenly makes you, God, I'm in, I'm in the real world. Now, as it turns out in the plot, the car accident, even in the alternative world, was probably engineered by Stallman's machinations. In the alternative world, you'd assume he probably could have actually just had him killed whereas this one it was a, the car accident is an accident which doesn't kill sir keith is an accident caused by the driver having to drive him off piste and then apologizing so so it's an accident and actually not a not a lethal one but the idea that somebody dies in a car accident somehow makes the story seem to being grown up uh more grounded uh areas of drama that suddenly take it up a notch or two to me where you can get inured to you know death by laser or disintegration but suddenly a car crash really brings it home because i guess we've you know we've we've been touched in some way or another by a you know uh, a motor accident that's that's killed a friend or a friend of a friend or a loved one or whatever uh, and, and whenever the real world sort of you know jabs into doctor who it's it actually gives it gives it more credibility makes it seem more stark which this story certainly benefits from so walter henry was a crinoid in i th- a, a crinoid a primord in i think episode five and asked to be released from his contract now i'd always th- because he's only in the one episode i'd sort of thought oh what they do is maybe they get walter henry in to play stallman after uh olaf pooley refuses to wear the makeup but that doesn't seem to be the case at all um, so I don't know why Walter Henry wanted to be let go because he he was largely a, a walk-on. He's the he's the patron 
in the city of death who serves them the double waters so, so and i think i think he does extra work in other <coughs> in other who's but but so actually his only credited role for which he'd have got paid a lot more and been entitled to residuals good residuals and stuff um although i think uh, equity members who are extras get some residuals i don't know um uh it w you know would have been a quite a decent deal to him um so i don't know where he went i don't know if he got a better offer um i'm, I'm watching the 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 the, the, the prime mods quite closely now they do a good job and yes the, the sound of that scream that they have that their howl that is augmented by the electronics it's good because sometimes i think electronics added to organic creatures um cells have short a bit so like the silurian voices in warriors of the deep you go oh they they why do they sound like robots when they're they're creatures uh, but actually the electronic augmentation of the of the roars i think gives them a primal of the earth uh, sort of ancient, yeah, and that thing about sort of Krakatoa screaming and stuff. They do like looking at the cameras, the primords, don't they? <laughs> I mean, it's rule one as an actor, you don't look at the camera, but uh, obviously uh, rule one in Inferno is look at the camera as much as possible. Oh, there, was a, there were fingerprints on the door then. Um, uh, but again, I, they're, they're quite effective on the big screen that I'm watching them on here. It, 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 it sort of works. Um I think because the noses aren't quite so stark as they are on that film sequence of Benton. Um, and this this is great sort of Sunday afternoon fare. I was brought up on a, you know, the most memorable movies that we watched when I was younger were The, the Poseidon Adventure, which was always a welcome classic in the house. And we must have watched a hundred times, you know, The Great Escape, uh, The Towering Inferno. Um, but but so, so Poseidon Adventure and Towering Inferno particularly are sort of, you know, disaster movies where a group of people are trapped in a situation that looks terrible and gradually one by one they die off and sort of cr cruelly part of the fun if you like is going oh i don't want them to die or oh i'm glad that you, you get you're allowed to be glad somebody died if you're watching a television program and they're an awful person uh, or you know oh no i didn't want them to die i'd have traded them for that other character actor uh, whereas of course this does the 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 brilliant thing of, of it actually kills everybody um well done petra who's also sweaty they're all sweaty this is good um and and i and i like and i like the principle behind this of the bully getting stood up to by the more timid person but actually the philosophy that she espouses that is don't yell at me and uh, and, and, and what I love about this is how gradually more and more impotent the man with the gun gets, how, how more and more, well, how, how more flaccid his control of the situation gets, if you like. That's a great shot of a Primord basking in the heat. And again, I'm watching this for the first time on, on a quite a decent sized uh, screen. And this is the, I mean, the the because it's on film and it's treated and 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 it's NSTC conversion. It, it probably doesn't look quite like it, it it did, and it might have looked a little bit clearer uh, uh, originally. But it still looks absolutely great. And 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 the fact that Pertwee and Newark and these guys, you know, that they're bathed in sweat, ties are undone. Again, this is quite unusual. This again puts it more in the camp of the stuff I watched with everybody else. 
the towering infernos the poseidon adventures and anything that sort of would have passed muster with the grown-ups or the cool people or the people because i was the youngest you see of the everybody who thought that my things were about you know childish and childish fripperies anything i did by its very nature because i was the youngest so anything that could sort of pass muster in that world was somehow you know made me feel good about it and and me uh, uh it's very doctor who it's your footing and at least they acknowledge it and go you're putting the entire app of a nuclear reactor through two cables and a and a plug <laughs> um but of course now uh i was going to say of course now technology has got much smaller and you can i don't know i've got no idea what you can do with the output of a nuclear reactor i love uh, i don't know if i like the way that liz gets saki here uh, it's quite it's quite arch but it is it, it is a good moment uh and i like the way she she she's because the way that she shakes is she still tries to maintain her erect posture um I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, dr freud is sitting under the sofa and he's whispering to me about my mother uh, uh, during this but but she 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 maintains her erection if you like uh, as it shakes in order that she still contains her composure as she sort of gives the brigade leader the BDI, uh, Liz Shaw, and goes, yeah, 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 you're, 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 not, you're not quite as in control as you thought you were. Um, and of course, with Stallman either unconscious or <laughs> looking at his reflection in the camera lens, oh, do my teeth look big in this? Um, uh, the main baddie in this episode is the Brigadier, essentially, but our fascist version. And, of course, that smile that uh, the Brigadier gives Benton is, of course, in stark contrast to to the way that this grim-faced, he's got his, you know, his bottom lip is curled in a permanent sort of grimace, stony grimace in this. Uh, oh, be quiet, Alexa. Um, uh and I don't know what Alexa trying to do. Um, oh, and is this where it, it does? And I and I think um, Sheila Dunn does the um, I'm working under pressure sort of stuff very very well. I think I think vocally she's occasionally a bit shrill in this, and it's and it's and it's hard to do. And I and I I do wonder if the character would have been better with a with a with a Kate O'Mara type. Um, but I think she does that. I think she does the, you know, working under pressure stuff very, very well. Um, you can, t and you can tell a certain generation of these, these people have seen, you know, Derek Newark saw active service. Derek Newark killed people in the Middle East when he was, uh, you know, a soldier in the, in, 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 in it wasn't in the Middle East. Where was he? Um, listen to my podcast. But he was he was on active duty and and uh, you know quite close hand to hand combat. Um, and and you know so when some of these actors are being you know looking at very very grim situations, you know what they have to call on uh, as an actor is uh, you know genuine and stuff that my generation of actors should thank their lucky stars they sort of don't have but i think it gives them a sort of genuine i love all this that the 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 primords 
charging through this and there's there's benton the primord um charging through the gasometers that's great stuff on film um but yeah th- this generation of actors have you know have have memories of of stuff that they actually went through so it's not cowboys and indians you know what i mean it's uh, uh i mean in terms of i was saying invoking the genre there of cowboys and indians you know what people say about playing in the school playground um but you know these people lived it um, and I think that does give it a, to, to, you know, a, a genuine sort of backbone to the action that we perhaps, we perhaps cannot replicate. And, you know, aren't we lucky? Um, they'll be posted alive. I like the way he has alive. It's, it's, it's brilliant the way that he, he, he fluctuates between sadistic bully and frightened man unfortunately um and and if he did shoot him in the guts now i love that if you if and he he does he does actually shoot him but he hasn't got any bullets um so that's pretty grim because he would have shot shot him at close range in the stomach uh and i love uh new line about you'd only be doing me a favor that is so uh harsh i i unfortunately don't think this fight's very good and i I've, I've i'm afraid i think it's down to, to nicholas courtney who's 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 not great at uh actually it's, again it's not as bad as i remember it's not as bad as i remember why did it and i love that shot of of sutton i actually like the doctor at the end of survival with his arm raised but here with the tardis and the doctor behind him that is a terrific shot and the reminder of the doctor is this what you're gonna? Is this how you're gonna end your lives? You know, fighting like animals. I, I, I think that, or whatever it was he said. I think that's. I may have been invoking survival there, but it's, it's, a, it's interesting that it's, a, um, it, it does echo that that sentiment in of the of the final story. And she's gone and been really, really brave. Well done, Petra. And I love the fact that he goes back for a. Um, I've got a bit of a. I'm having a bit of a bromance with got a man crush on greg sutton and uh, uh i'm a hundred percent heterosexual gentleman but uh you know if uh, if greg sutton and i ended up on a desert island together who knows what would happen after a few years um uh but how did i get onto that um but that fight was not as bad as I'd remembered. I do, I do have a thing about Nicholas Courtney not being great at fighting, and he admitted this himself: um, is that he doesn't, he doesn't bend his fist when he punches people. He sort of punches people like a sort of action figure. Um, and I think he wasn't particularly comfortable with action scenes, and I don't think they're his strongest suit. Um, but that fight was okay. The expression on the brigade leader's face when when he was punched was slightly not favoured by the angles and comical but but anyway we're accentuating the positive and there's so much that's great i love the fact that jack kine is looking over his shoulder as he's pointed the gun and that's a great shot uh, uh and and this whole face off is brilliant because you totally understand i love the fact that he then shoots the gun to indicate that it is loaded um and you i mean you totally forget that this is the same actor that this is nicholas courtney um as 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 the twinkly brigadier uh yes and and of course the what we know now is that the gunshot was not fired by caroline john because she was pregnant uh, it was done by somebody else 
so that she didn't have to be too close to it but it, it totally works uh and it's pretty no nonsense uh and then you've got the threads basically i don't where we got the end of the world and loads of forlorn looking extras uh and this is great all this chargey stuff is that is that uh, uh and some st uh, it's stock footage of a volcano uh, uh some red tinge a few extras charging about love it and then back to the people and that's it's so short but we have totally got what's going on i love the lighting of that uh that's a very good special effects shot actually um and 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 the fact that it's got whatever uh that ta that metal tower falling over we could have maybe done with a little bit more of, of seeing buildings being hit by the by the uh, lava but that is incredible and that and the killing of the brigade leader is superb um and you know needed to happen if you like he's going to die 15 seconds later anyway or whatever half a minute later as we discover but um but doctor who does what it can never ever do uh and it's the end of the world and isn't that sad because all oh walter henry is in this episode but he's not in i think he's not in the next episode so yeah he's he was i'm sure he asked to be released from his contract which is a which is an odd one uh uh but maybe he just had something else to do maybe he had to go on holiday doesn't matter only i care um the end of the it was the it's the end of the world lads uh um jeremy davis is a very nice person as well uh and st st still looks uh, uh probably younger than I, I do uh good designer he designed uh the first dalek story he designed episode six of the first dalek story uh um to give ray cusick a bit of respite so he goes back to the very 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 early days um so what's the best thing about episode six that is brilliant by the way episode of doctor who it's almost i think it should almost be illegal for me to be able to talk through it but it's got everything it's action-packed i the thing how funny the three things i thought i would have to not talk about but inevitably would talk about uh the the primords the the steam coming out of the pipe uh and the last fight that i all thought would fall short actually weren't problematic to me at all uh in that episode um if i'm going to choose a favorite thing from that episode it's got to be the end of the world guys the end of the world as we know it uh it has to be that doctor who does what it can never do because of the brilliant wheeze of the alternative world is that the world ends the doctor loses and that gives us obviously that brilliant brilliant cliffhanger which i can't choose another cliffhanger again but that means i sort of am uh and with that it means it can kill the regulars and we have the emotional impact of that and i, I mean i mean i not great last thoughts, but Greg Sutton must be thinking, God, if we'd done this 24 hours earlier, at least I could have. Anyway, um, but there we go. So uh, poor old, yeah, poor old Greg and Petra die without, uh, without ever doing the deed. I'm, I'm sure there are greater tragedies, but um, uh, right. So Inferno episode six, what is happening in the alternative universe where Jeremy Raddick, uh, uh, is uh, 
is undergoing his own uh, Mohel project. Well, welcome back uh, for episode six of Inferno uh, to talk about what our favorite things are. In that episode, I am Brigade under leader uh, Jeremy Raddick speaking for the duplicate version of Jeremy Raddick, who we are uh, still interrogating. I have to say, though, uh, he's making some good points about the uh, impending apocalypse and 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 frankly that's sort of what i feel is the best thing about this episode too and he agrees this sort of uh, bleak uh, apocalyptic tone um, i don't think uh, that this uh, this duplicate world the doctor has encountered is is going to make it out of this one i mean i'm rooting for it it seems really like a cool place <laughs> uh, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out too well uh, which is worrying but i do feel that tone and and showing us what a uh, an implacable hero like uh, the third doctor in this particular case is encountering and the fact that he might actually lose and and maybe only escape with his life and be able to help his original world that that's that's probably uh, a very unusual thing and it leads to this overall more grave and serious and consequence filled tone uh, it's it's unusual to see heroes in these types of stories lose and 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 lose so seriously as they do in this one and it's kind of a brilliant uh, brilliant uh, 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 turn as it were you expect the doctor to win and you know he's clearly not winning on this planet uh, and I, I have to say it did hit a little bit close to home to me in this particular tense because uh, it turns out the scientists have told us that uh, this is pretty much it. We're, the world's breaking apart and and uh, we have a very little time left. I'm going to help the duplicate get back and try to do one good thing. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't notice, <laughs> doesn't take too kindly to kindness, <laughs> the leader does, but I am going to send my duplicate back home. I think it's the best thing to do and um, this is it. The world's ending. Overall, it's a bit of a bummer, uh, but I did get to see a pretty good episode of television before. I think I really could have become a fan of this show. Uh, uh, how many episodes are there, Duplicate Jeremy? How many? How many seasons of the twenty-six? I don't don't have time to watch all of those, do I? No. All right. Well, I saw a good one last. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, uh, hopefully I can send him back home and he will continue the transmissions once he arrives. Let's see if you can guess what the both the, the final episode's favorite thing is and also uh, what the favorite thing that the duplicate Jeremy thought of, uh, of the Inferno story as a whole. So uh, good luck. Hope you can stop that drilling. And uh, yes, it was nice, nice chatting with you. Uh, take care. Uh, well, we're in a court. So, um, I'm going to notch that up as a point to me, um, because <laughs> I can't actually remember. Uh, I'm going to have to go away. Uh, well, not go away, but uh, when I stop recording this episode, um, actually tot up the points from previous episodes, because I can't actually remember what I chose, what Jeremy chose, and where we stand in the scorings. So I'll do that before I get to episode seven. But then I'm going to do that uh, imminently. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up. I'm gonna put out the inferno. I'm gonna douse the inferno uh, and move on to pastures cooler. Um, but for you, uh, that is not until 
the next episode, so uh, in a few days' time uh, of Happy Times and Places. So um, continue drinking that water and wiping away that sweat as you uh, remain for one final agonising time in the grips of the alternative universe. Uh, and I shall speak to you next time. Uh, and when you turn around, none of you will be wearing eye patches. Uh, until then, take very, very good care. Thank you for listening as ever. And goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Jeremy Raddick, who is at Jeremy Raddick on Twitter. I would like to extend heartfelt thanks to patrons who include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Cook, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford Kelk, Chris Phone, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Barry Platt, Matthew Newton, Melvin Pena, Keith Perry, Jonathan Potter, Dylan Rees, John Rivers, Matt Sawyer, Keith Say, Len Stewart, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabassi, Reynard Toombs, Apollo C. Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, Andrew Willis, and Stephen White. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates. This is the voice of a man who keeps trying to find an interesting way of enticing you to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. What's there? Oh, all sorts. Early access, exclusive material. It's quite an egalitarian system. There are various tiers, but most stuff is available from the lowest. It's mostly, of course, that you are way in advance of the releases that are available to the general public. But there are other bits and bobs as well. Monthly AMAs, uh, exclusive videos, exclusive non-Doctor Who commentaries. And basically you sort of dictate because uh, I interact with everybody and see what it is that you would like. Uh, it starts from as little as £3 a month. Uh, if you go for a year in advance, you get a 10% discount. And it's quite fun over there. So if you can join in, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, I understand that that's not everybody's bag. And there's also Kofi where you can just do a one-off donation whenever you like, ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But what I'd really like, um, because I know that times are financially trying and I don't expect anybody to fund my nonsense. I'm flabbergasted and grateful that people do. But I could really do with uh, good algorithms. How do we make your algorithms good, Toby? Well, you oil them up with a five-star review on Apple or anywhere else, and perhaps even a line or two about why you like these podcasts. But those five-star reviews really do help to separate this from the crowd and, and get more people out there listening, which uh, is really helpful to me. So if you could do that, doesn't take you any time, doesn't cost you anything, and I would be very, very, very grateful. And so would my algorithms be, and they'd they'd flash you. <laughs> that's, that's taking a turn for that. Well, I don't, I'm, that metaphor's not going where I wanted it to. So I'm just, as I said, I don't think anyone's listening anyway. So I could, I could say anything, couldn't I? Because Elvis is alive. Uh, I saw him working at a cafe uh, on the Old Kent Road. Um, but because nobody listens to this bit, that exclusive uh, is uh, lost forever, like uh, the Dalek Master Plan episode eight. Although I've got that as well, I've got that in my attic. Uh, but cause, of course, I can tell you this because nobody's listening. Waits for rumours. <laughs>
I'm a live comic too. I do live comedy at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester every Tuesday at 8pm. I'm the compare, the waffly glue that sticks a lineup of excellent live stand-up comics together. Uh, that's at 8pm every Tuesday, Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester. That's probably a long way away for some of you, but we do a online show now, uh, thanks to the success of being forced to go online during lockdown, uh, once a month from the first Sunday of August at twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. Excess Malarkey also has a Twitter feed, as do I, at Toby Haydoke, and these podcasts at Haydoke Podcasts. So... I mean, do all of that because I'm sure you've got. <laughs> I'm sure you've got nothing else to do apart from do all my stuff. Um, I sometimes think I should just have a sit down, but well, I'm actually sitting down. No, I think what I, as I do this, I'm 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 sitting. I think what I mean is I and you've probably got some sympathy with this. I should just shut up every. I'm going to shut up now. The, all this needed to do was be a plug for Twitter and the comedy club, and I've tried to make it interesting. And as a result, I've done the complete opposite and. I mean, if you think it's awful listening to me, try actually being me. It's a constant burden. I'm going to be quiet now. You promise? Yes. Shut up then. Right. Bye.